First off, did other countries involve themselves in the American Revolution and the American Civil War, both of which were internal American civil conflicts? Of course they did. As the colonists fought off the British in the American Revolutionary War, the French helped with training and weapons. The German or Hessian soldiers were hired by the British to help put down the colonists. The Spanish, the Dutch, and many others involved themselves as well. There were mercenaries, there were privateers, there were pirates, and they were all bringing ships, supplies, and cannons into the fight. Opportunists from around the world looked to make some money off the American Revolution. Later, during the Civil War, and although most countries claimed to be neutral, countries including India and Egypt tried to make trade deals, including for cotton. Sometimes they paid with supplies such as gunpowder. Other countries provided one side or the other with firearms and other weapons, weapons such as cannons or cannonballs themselves. Russia was friendly to the north, while Britain, ironically, supported the south. Generally speaking, none of the countries around to observe the American Revolution or our Civil War cared who won from a moral standpoint. They just wanted to make money. They recognized that one side or the other would win. An example from the Revolutionary War is that many foreign suppliers hoped to benefit after the war was over. If the British won, they hoped to get some contracts or permission to supply the American colonies. And if the Revolutionaries won, those same foreign suppliers hoped to be able to get some contracts and permission to supply the new country that would be formed afterwards. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Either way, conflict is a win-win for countries who choose to get involved in the conflicts of other countries. They don't particularly care if they can benefit, and we're seeing the same thing in today's contemporary conflicts. Today's war in which countries are financially benefiting is the war between Russia and Ukraine. And that's what we're going to talk about today on this episode of the upcoming American Revolution podcast. Hello, my name is Kali. Welcome to the upcoming American Revolution podcast. First things first. Yes, this is the upcoming American Revolution podcast, and I clearly focus only on the United States. But there's a lesson for Americans to learn from what's occurring in Ukraine and Russia today. For some people to understand this and recognize the parallels, they need to understand a little bit of context. They need to recognize that Ukraine has been a part of Russia and the two nations are tied together by culture and history. Ukraine has been a part of Russia, but it's also been a part of Romania, Poland, Czechoslovakia, and other countries. Not only other countries, but other nations and other empires. The entire region has been in flux for the past three, 4,000 years since the 1600s or so, and it's all been well recorded. Most recently, Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union until 1989. Ukraine had a referendum after the collapse of the Soviet Union and became its own country in 1991. It has been just over 30 years since that occurred. Most logical people must acknowledge that this contemporary conflict may be a continuation of long-standing animosity, a class of regional cultures, and historical border disputes. To say it another way, war between Russia and Ukraine is complicated. This is obviously not a new war between two countries that have had no historical animosity or past relationship. This is a long-standing culture and border dispute between two nations that were once the same nation. Today, there are millions of Ukrainians living in Russia, 
and there are millions of Russians living in Ukraine. And just as Ukraine had a referendum in 1991, this modern conflict in Ukraine saw two regions, Donetsk and Luhansk, hold referendums in 2022, and those two Ukrainian regions with majority Russian populations voted to be part of Russia again and leave the Ukraine. Now all those around the world who were opposed to Russia went ballistic. So although Ukraine's past referendum was okay, modern referendums in breakaway regions within Ukraine are now apparently the devil. The devil, devil, devil. Why? Because of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO. NATO is angry and doesn't approve, and the United States is the de facto leader of NATO, and the United States doesn't approve. But why is the United States government so mad at Russia in the first place? Well, obviously, money is a great motivator to get countries involved in the revolutions and wars of others. But there is another insidious reason why countries might get involved into such conflicts. And that reason is because, as the saying goes, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Curiously, the United States government is trying to stoke a war with Russia. And seemingly, it wants to ensure that the Russia-Ukraine war gets expanded. It almost seems as though the United States government wants World War III to start. Why? Well, the U.S. government is saying that Russia wants to take over the world and reconstitute the old Soviet Union because their leader, Vladimir Putin, is the new Hitler or something. Yes, that is ridiculous and everyone who believes it needs to take a step back and then take a deep breath. But if you've been paying attention for the past couple decades or so, you'll remember that the Ukraine was considered the most corrupt government in Europe. We see that our president's family is tied into corrupt business dealings within Ukraine. And yes, something doesn't sit right. Why are we willing to go to war with a country on behalf of another country that we have no national security interest in? Why does the U.S. government seem to be making decisions reminiscent of a medieval king with syphilis, irrationally demanding that people under his kingdom fight his enemies, attack the enemy generals, steal their wealth, destroy his enemy's food and interfere in the business of those who he does not like. If you step back, you'll see it. The U.S. government is directing smaller NATO countries to hide American involvement. Some might say the U.S. is bullying both the Ukraine and NATO into doing American bidding. The United States is paying mercenaries from around the world to directly fight the Russians. It is paying the Ukrainian government's bills and paying the government employees to hide an obvious collapse of the Ukrainian government. And as an American, I derive no pleasure from saying any of this. But the United States government is at fault here. Cemeteries and mass graves are being filled with the bodies of those whom the U.S. is all but forcing to fight the Russians. Polish, Czechoslovakians, mercenaries from around the world. Obviously the Ukrainians. And well, look, you didn't hear this from me, but what I heard was a government whose name rhymes with useless actually committed terrorism and blew up some natural gas pipelines that went from Russia to Germany called the Nord Stream. Now, Maybe I'm an idiot, but if you, an American citizen, blew up a pipeline going from Canada to the United States, the U.S. government would label you a terrorist. And if that pipeline was blown up within the United States, you'd be called a domestic terrorist. This is the same as when people attack power substations or water treatment plants in the United States. It's terrorism. Let's say you weren't captured in the act of blowing up that pipeline. The U.S. would declare that an act of terrorism on the pipeline. 
Now, because the word terrorism is overused and the actual definition requires an attack on a population whose purpose is to instill fear, I'm not going to say that blowing up the Nord Stream was terrorism. But curiously, if the U.S. government knew that Russia, Germany, or Mexico, or China, or hell, any country blew up an American pipeline, the U.S. government would obviously declare that an overt act of war, right? Well, it appears that the U.S. government committed an act of war on the infrastructure of another country. Sorry, there's no way around it. The U.S. government committed an act of war against Russia. And it's against infrastructure. The U.S. government has done to Russia what it would declare an act of war if it happened to the United States. But apparently, because the Ukraine is the enemy of Russia, the U.S. government has determined that Russia is its enemy. Now, I'd assume if you polled Americans, most U.S. citizens and definitely most U.S. taxpayers want the U.S. to stay out of their war. But of course, the U.S. government no longer believes it is owned by the American people. It no longer believes it is accountable to the American people in any way. And it believes it can do whatever it wants regardless of what the American people think. Yep, just like a king. And now, it hopes and dreams of starting another never-ending war. Iraq didn't work out, and that came to an end. Afghanistan didn't work out, and that also came to an end. Syria didn't expand as the government wanted. Now Ukraine is their next hope for a never-ending, money-launderable, military-industrial complex war. So far, the U.S. government has provided more than $100 billion to Ukraine, and no one knows where any of that money has gone. All of it is American taxpayer money or funny money printed by the United States government and backed up by nothing. All of this debt or printed funny money, all it does is serve to devalue American dollars and put all Americans in more debt because of that devaluation. It is the rule that the more dollars that are in circulation, the least valuable each dollar is. And eventually, that system will collapse. We'll see hyperinflation and the dollar will die. But this war has not only depleted the U.S. of taxpayer money, but it has also depleted the U.S. of weapons since the U.S. government is sending Ukraine ammunition, vehicles, rockets, and missiles. But what is it that the U.S. government doesn't understand as it continues to squander money in the Ukraine? It fails to understand Ukraine has already lost. Ukraine cannot win. The war is over. Whether the West, the United States, NATO, or Europe sees it, Russia has won. They will eventually squeeze the Ukraine out, and Ukraine will eventually surrender. American politicians have visited Ukraine, including Joe Biden. Janet Yellen, the U.S. Treasury Secretary, has also visited, which is odd if you think about it. Of course, she took a check with her and taxpayer money. U.S. Senators and Representatives have also visited, including the sellout Lindsey Graham, who, when there, noted that the U.S. would support Ukraine until the last Ukrainian. Oh, what a brave man Lindsey Graham is. So brave. Until the last Ukrainian. Well, the United States government has involved itself into a conflict in which there is no national security objective to be met. And it's all for naught. Russia will win. They're being patient and methodical. They're securing ground, defending lives as best they can. They are moving forward tactically, and it's just a matter of time. Once the ground dries out of the mud... Once they have used their artillery to clear the paths, once they decide the time and environment is right, the Russians will move forward and finish this conflict. 
and they will finish it in a way that is undisputable and undeniable. They're going to send a message to the rest of the world. But the question that should be asked is why they haven't chose to end it yet. Russia can shoot thousands of missiles into the Ukrainian capital of Kiev today and destroy the Ukrainian government in a matter of hours. Are they just allowing the Ukrainians to deplete their military resources? Are they trying to weaken NATO, allowing them to send more and more resources to be destroyed inside of Ukraine? Are they trying to weaken the United States by letting us send more and more weapons into Ukraine, and more money into Ukraine, while they just sit there and destroy it all? Well, we'll see. This war will end when Russia decides to end it. The lesson for the United States government is, mind your own fucking business. The U.S. government, which is not the American people, is evolving itself into the Russia-Ukraine war. But imagine that during our next civil revolution, which mathematically must happen because we cannot be the only country in history to only have one government since our founding. Would we as Americans be okay with foreign countries involving themselves into our civil conflicts as we have in their civil conflicts? Let's say, if Texas were to succeed in a future civil conflict, if Brazil, Mexico, or Russia were providing ammunition, weapons, aircraft, intelligence, or targeting information against the U.S. government, would that be acceptable? Imagine other countries providing weapons or training to Americans opposed to the U.S. government right now. Now, the way the Russia-Ukraine war ends is with the Ukrainian leadership either sitting in a crater of rubble or sitting in an aircraft that's spiraling down towards the ground. The people benefiting from the Russia-Ukraine war is the United States government. Not the United States citizens who actually do own the government. It's the U.S. government claiming sovereign immunity. Sovereign immunity is a common law principle that means the king is always right, and the U.S. government thinks it's always right. The American people have no say. And that is the lesson. The U.S. government better recognize that in our next civil conflict, it's not only the Americans fighting the government that you have to beat. It'll be countries around the world providing intelligence and weapons to fight the U.S. government. It'll be a harsh lesson to learn for the government, but the United States federal government should not be surprised. There no doubt will be complications. Well, there you go. That is our episode. If you like this kind of information and this kind of thought-provoking theory, make sure you subscribe. My name is Kali, and thank you for stopping by the upcoming American Revolution podcast. Thank <laughs> you.